We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Daymore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Sunday night. And the Timberwolves are on a four-game winning streak with tonight's 13-point win over the Detroit Pistons. Since they lost that back-to-back in Golden State and Phoenix, so like 10 days ago, the Wolves have beaten Utah, beat Denver, and then beat Detroit twice. Which means they are now one game out of the sixth seed behind Denver, who beat San Antonio tonight. And that's because the Wolves are 28 and 25. They are three games over 500 for the first time since 2019 when they started that year uh, 3-0. and <laughs> Didn't finish with a winning record, but that's the last time the Wolves were three games over 500. I will get into some trade deadline-y stuff later uh, in this week. But tonight, for this episode, we'll focus on this win over Detroit and what went into it. We'll obviously hit on the return of D'Angelo Russell and what that not only meant in having him back, but also how that impacted the rotation with just kind of another guy being in the mix. It kind of changes the puzzle a little bit. And then it also just wasn't a, a huge cat ant or D'Lo game. We, we talk about them the most. So, you know, when, when those guys, all three of them finished between 17 and 24 points, we can kind of use today's episode to talk some Malik Beasley, Jade McDaniels, Patrick Beverly, those, those sort of guys. And, I think the place to start tonight is with Jaden McDaniels. Uh, with D'Lo back, McDaniels slides out of the starting lineup and back into his kind of like 25 minutes a night bench role. And what was encouraging in that change is McDaniels had been rolling while D'Lo was out and he didn't he didn't skip a beat tonight. He came into tonight's game shooting 42% from three over his last eight games. And then he went on to make three of his four threes again tonight. So that's now 46% from deep over his past nine and I, I just think McDaniels is currently playing the best basketball of his career. And he might, uh, if you watch the game, you saw it like he might have had his best single game sequence of his career tonight. Um, he hits a corner three, goes down on defense, makes just a massive gangly block and lands and sprints out in transition where he spread the ball uh, from Jordan McLaughlin and hits another another corner three. Probably the best like one minute sequence of his his career uh, after the game john krasinski asked d'angelo russell about that little boomlet 
uh, from McDaniels after tonight's game. And D'Lo, you know, got to say he's been on the McDaniels train since early, like early last year, hinting at, you know, McDaniels having this in his bag. And, you know, D'Lo's seen it coming. And and he talked about how, like, after the tonight's game, like, Jaden McDaniels is is here. Yeah, so that one sequence where Jaden, uh, corner three, block shot, corner three, uh, again, does that kind of show what kind of potential that he has in terms of being able to make splash plays and, and, and swing things for you guys? If y'all haven't seen it, I don't know what y'all watching. Um, I don't even think he needs to make plays like that for us to know what he's capable of. I think that's just his awareness. And, you know, the, the more comfortable he gets, the better he's going to be. The older he gets, the better he's going to be. Simple as that. Um, he's just making those plays a little more consistent for us when we need them. Um, I think that's huge for our team because we got somebody to make those plays above the rim. Offensively and defensively, he's a lob threat as well. Um, defensively, he goes to get it in guard guards on the perimeter. So he's just very valuable, just trying to keep him engaged and um, keep him uh, not complacent, you know, having him attack throughout the game. And games like this, when we're playing teams that aren't really trying to win, of course, we're trying to win those games and lock them in, but those are games where you work on your stuff, you know what I mean? Be a little more aggressive or, you know, you work on things that you're not really accustomed to working on. So I love this game. I think it's important to note with McDaniels that this hasn't exactly been an ideal environment for a player to develop in over the past two years, but McDaniels has developed through that. I mean, unlike most first-round rookies, you know, McDaniels wasn't just gifted minutes to develop in, even though he was on a bad team. Like, on a bad team last year, he had to wait basically half the season to get any opportunity. And then even from there... McDaniels was asked to play out of position at power forward, predominantly yanked in and out of the starting lineup for a year and a half. And then, you know, even when he is out there, he's playing a different role than he played in college or or in high school. He has a very small usage role on a team with Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. I mean, McDaniels has had to embrace a low usage 3 and D type of role when then, again, was not the type of player he was coming out. As a prospect, you know, he, he was not a role player prospect. You don't get, I mean, he was the top high school recruit in his class at one point, And you don't get that label as a three and D guy. He's had to teach himself that role. And in that, you know, sometimes that's cost him confidence. I think this season, the prolific fouling in the first half of the year kind of like wore that badge for, you know, for his underwhelming start to the season. But I think, Poor shooting was where you saw that lack of confidence kind of materialize. He was not fulfilling that 3 and D role. You know, as Chris Finch has talked about, and I think we've played on here, like Finch had a conversation with McDaniels about just being a basketball player, not just a shooter, not just a specific role. You know, kind of letting go of the construct of that role to some extent has allowed him to gather that confidence back. And like we said, you know, the, the shooting has bounced back correspondingly. But also, apparently, part of the shift in McDaniels has had to do with a mechanical shift in his shot. I asked Finch about that on Saturday after Wolves practice. And here's what he said has gone into McDaniels' shot outside of just an injection of confidence. They didn't the shooting 42% from three over his last eight games. You talked about him, the, the be a basketball player, yes. the shots will go in. Has there been 
anything outside of kind of that mental adjustment, mechanical or just putting in like work? Um, he's put in a lot of work, you know, I mean, the work is, is there for him. I just think a lot of it is um, we're trying to, you know, he shoots a very high ball. We're trying to get him to shoot a little bit of a flatter ball. I think we think there's a lot of variation in that shot when it's so high um, with, especially if you have, he has like long levers, you know, it's like big wind up, but, um, but generally I, I think it's just like live, not living and dying with the result of every shot, you know, and that way you can kind of compartmentalize what happens out there. That kind of transcend the group too. Just, I mean, yeah, it's up to, to some extent, just kind of like not living and dying with it as, yeah. as a whole group. We, I mean, we talk a lot about shot selection and the shots we're trying to get. And, you know, I've said this before, the dirty little secret of efficient offense is not making a lot of shots. It's actually taking all the right shots because, of course, over time, some of them are going to go in. And if we stay committed to that, you know, everybody will make enough shots, we believe. Yeah. I mean, and it's been almost the exact same shot selection from prior to January to, yeah. to now. I mean, is that surprising at all that, you know, you go from here offensively to number one offensively without any change in, in the shot selection? Or is that kind of like you're saying the worm's going to turn? Eventually? Yeah, I think it's an example of things turning if you stay committed to the right shots. But we have also emphasized better finishing, emphasized better foul drawing. Um, and now, you know, the rhythm of the ball movement has helped the three-point shooting. Like, you know, that's the key. Like, the ball moves and you can anticipate maybe a pass or two ahead that the ball's going to land in your hands. I think that's what helps three-point shot making. It is interesting how this team has been able to make this offensive leap without doing all that much differently, right? A, f- a few days ago, I pulled up the shot frequencies place-to-place on the floor with this team from, you know, before January and since the new year. And it really... It's like strikingly almost the exact same shot frequency from every area. And I think it's encouraging and hints at stability when this efficiency spike that they've had can't really be attributed to one specific area. It's it's actually encouraging when you look at the three-point percentage and that it hasn't spiked. It's just kind of gone up a few percentage points. It's what's driven this offensive boon is that Everything is a few percentage points better. As Finch said there, they're they're getting to the free throw line more. They're finishing more. That has been the driver of effectiveness for them. And that's that's just the type of area you prefer to see the bigger spike in because those stats kind of in nature are less volatile than three-point shooting, right? Like you, you see the turnovers down. You see the free throws up. You see the finishing in that kind of short mid-range area where Cat takes those hook shots and those runners. Like you assist, you see the assist frequency overall up, and that's why this team has won their last four games. That's why they're twelve and five over the last seventeen games. That's why they have the number one offense in the league over those seventeen games. That's why even wins over a team like Detroit are encouraging, because they are part of an overall enticing month plus of basketball from this Wolves team. Let's make a mix a break in here quickly, and then come back to talk about. How we saw the return of D'Angelo Russell impact this team tonight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 13-point win over Detroit on Sunday afternoon. After missing the last four games, D'Angelo Russell made his return to the lineup today. Uh, we obviously hadn't been able to talk to D'Lo while, while he was hurt, so we did get some clarity from him on the injury after the game. He made it clear that this definitely you know, won't be a lingering injury. It was just a shin contusion. He said, quote, it wasn't a serious injury, but that he just wanted to be 100% before returning. He said it was just an aching thing that he wanted to wait till it went away. So with him back now and back indefinitely, who plays, when they play, and how much they play is is going to be impacted by his presence, right? In his absence, the bench had all really been playing well. There wasn't an obvious guy to put back on the bench out of the rotation once Dilo returned. And what we saw tonight is Finch didn't do that. He played all five of those bench guys still. McLaughlin played, Noel played, Beasley played, Prince played, and Nas played. Which means, with McDaniels moving back to the bench, that 11 guys played. Finch did clarify after the game that he wanted all six of those bench guys to play in the first half. And then his plan was that he was maybe going to pick the one guy who wasn't playing as well to maybe sit in the second half. What ended up happening in the game was that Torian Prince rolled his ankle in the first half, so he didn't return to the game because of injury. That made it, you know, the kind of 10 guys by default. You know, and I just think it's interesting and probably most noteworthy that Jordan McLaughlin was still in the rotation and sounds like he will continue to be. You know, with D'Lo, a point guard, back, the seemingly most natural move would have been to put J-Mac back on the bench. But that didn't happen, and J-Mac actually even played with D'Lo. And, and I get it. It was be really hard to justify not playing McLaughlin right now. Against Denver, the Wolves were a plus 18 with J-Mac on the floor in a game they won by 15. And in the first game against Detroit, they were a plus 19 with J-Mac on the floor in a game they won by 11. And tonight, they were plus 14 in a game they won by 13. That means over these past three wins, the Wolves outscored their opponent by 51 points with McLaughlin on and actually lost by 12 points in the minutes that he sat. That's just a dude who's going to keep playing. And specifically, it sounds like we're going to see him play next to D'Lo. Here's Finch on that pairing. What do you like best about how D'Lo and Jordan 
play uh, kind of off each other when they're on the floor together. Yeah, they, you know, they have uh, really good chemistry in their passing. Uh, you know, they D'Lo can like spot up and be a little bit more of a threat. Um, so maybe maybe involve some some off ball action. We didn't do that so much tonight, but they haven't played well. Uh, played a lot together. Not that they haven't played well. They haven't played a lot together this year. So. As we knew from last year, they are a good combo. So something we can still cultivate in our, in our, within our roster. Finch has brought that pairing up many times over the past year is one that he likes and one that he says is a good combo. It's interesting. The, the idea that they are a good combo is not one that's backed up by stats. Like last year, J-Mac and D'Lo played 220 minutes together and they had a net rating of minus 11.9 in those minutes. And a lot of that, came once Finch took over and the team was actually playing pretty good ball. Like a net rating of minus 11.9 statistically was was a big drop-off. But I, I think we all who were watching remember that pairing last year and it did meet the eye test. It did look like they fit well together even if the results in those 200-some minutes didn't show up in net rating. As, as Finch said there, they have not shared the floor much this season. Only 23 minutes together on the court this year before today, you know, small sample size, but the net rating in those 23 minutes was basically the exact same as the year before, minus 12.2. And for me, I think it's, I do respect the idea of believing in something, even if it hasn't materialized in, you know, points. And, and I do think a lot of the logic of continuing to play McLaughlin, play them together does check out. I mean, it's just so blatantly apparent that this team falters when they don't have point guard play. When it's not D'Lo out there and it's Pat Bev or Ant running the point, it's just not fluid. It's, it's certainly not the ball movement Finch talks about all the time when Ant is at point. And the pace just feels like it halts when Pat Bev is running the point. I think the case to keep playing Jordan McLaughlin has merit. And I think there's also merit to the idea that more point guard play is actually more even when it's both J-Mac and D'Lo out there together. It's also been very apparent over the years that all these bench guys really enjoy playing with J-Mac. Nas has raved about him over the years, and Malik Beasley raved about him tonight. Beasley pointed out in his postgame presser that J-Mac is the point guard he's played with the most in his time here, You know, dating back to that 2019 season, the most consistently at least, back to when Beasley was traded for at that deadline. And I hadn't really thought of that, but that checks out. Those two have actually, I looked it up, have actually shared the floor for 685 minutes since they, since Beasley got here in 2019. There's just a certain feel and style of play that I think Beasley plays better in. Like part of the reason that Beasley has struggled this season is because that style, that feeling has felt like it's changed around him when he's played the groups he's played with this year. I think the way the bench has played as a whole lately has felt more like past seasons. It's just zippier. It's pace. And I, I think McLaughlin contributes to that. And Beasley has benefited from that. Beasley has taken 39 threes over his last five games and made 18 of them, 46%. I mean, Finch is going to have to figure out the rotation. Playing 11 guys every night is not going to work. Tried that at the beginning of the season. It's just, it's just two stop starty. But having 11 guys who can capably play is a good problem to have. They legit have too much depth right now. And just on one trade deadline kind of side note, I think this is what 
makes a trade of sending out one player for two players, even though the Wolves have an open roster spot, I think it just doesn't make a lot of sense for this team right now. Like that Beasley Celtics rumor, specifically bringing back Josh Richardson and Aaron Neesmith for Beasley, I think that would cause problems. Like, sure, you're kind of getting a defensive player and you're getting some of that shooting in Neesmith, but you wouldn't have room to play both Richardson and Neesmith or the equivalent of them and some other Beasley for pieces deal. I mean, I get the idea, given Beasley's contract, why, like, if you trade him, it probably needs to be for pieces. But that just doesn't fit this roster well right now, at least so long as the group is healthy. Which brings me to Patrick Beverly, who, like D'Lo, is back healthy. I mean, Beverly's just clearly back. We're feeling his impact again. I'm in the second quarter today when this was, like, very much feeling like a Sunday afternoon game that lacked energy. Like, Pat Bev brought it. If, if you watched the game, you saw it. Beverly totally got in Hamadou Diallo's head. Diallo got in a tech, got a technical for getting a little scuffle with Beverly. It energized the game. It energized the stadium. Diallo gets that tech, and the whole stadium gets up on their feet. Pat Bev starts screaming everywhere. I mean, I mean, he does that almost every game he plays in. The energy for Beverly doesn't waver night to night. And today was just a reminder of that in a game where it was clear they were going to need energy on a Sunday. They got it from Patrick Beverly. I asked D'Angelo Russell about that after the game and brought up uh, an interesting answer from D'Lo. D'Angelo, how important was that kind of spark that Pat Bev gave you guys in, in, the, in the second quarter? Day game shows you know, that energy is, is even more valuable in a, in a game like today. I think the energy more than anything, like you said, uh, it forces guys to want to you know, turn their level of competition up, compete. Um, it gets our quiet-ass fans involved as well, too. So I think it's good for us to have somebody like him that you know, kind of wakes, wakes people up. I think that's more of a trying to spice people up comment there than it is like a shots fired sort of deal. My deal is also not wrong compared to other stadiums that I've just been at. Target Center is less attended and quieter comparatively which is about a lot of things that, you know, dealer might not understand from the history of losing here to the price of admission, historically not matching up with the quality of the product. Like Wolves, fan have, Wolves fans haven't had a whole lot to cheer for and they haven't gone to a whole lot of games. But that's kind of my whole point with the Beverly thing is he doesn't need a spark to get going. He doesn't need that fan energy. You know, I've sat at Target Center hundreds of games, like just knowing that the team needs a spark and they just haven't had a spark plug. Beverly is a spark plug firing every night. I know this is something we talk a lot about Beverly. That's just his game. But it's why I do think the numbers that say Beverly's presence significantly drives winning are accurate. I mean, Pat Bev has a better net rating than even Cat this season. His impact is niche, but that impact, I think, is profound and it overflows the niche. That's another reason that trading Beverly is just illogical for a team that's trying to win right now. All right, let's uh, let's hit on a few other notes tonight by rolling through my prize picks. I went four and one on my five picks tonight. It's funny, I got on here, I think it was after the last game, and I was talking about how the over on Jared Vanderbilt points has felt like a free square lately and how the return of D'Lo will only boost Vando's offensive outpick, output. Sure enough, D'Lo comes back, and they actually lowered Vando's point total over under to 7.5, and then Vando goes and only scores two points. So 
I was wrong. Missed that one. Not a free square. I did hit on my other four, though. Took the over on six assists for D'Lo. He had eight. No minutes restriction for him. I also took the over on one and a half. Made cat threes. Cat was two of three from deep. And then because I, I did think going into the game that J-Mac would play like he did get some point guard minutes, I, I took because of that, I took the under on 19 and a half combined points, rebounds, assists for Pat Bev. That hit Beverly finished with 10 points, six rebounds and two assists. So just 18. Same bet type of bet with Ant. I took the under on 30 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists combined. And I took that literally just because it was a day game. I thought Ant not having full juice on a Sunday afternoon was was probably a safe bet at halftime. It's pretty clear that was accurate. Ant only had three points on three shots at halftime. Wasn't foul trouble or anything like that. He did get going a little in the second half. Almost ended Isaiah Stewart on one of those baseline drives like the one he had on Watanabe last year. Overall, though, Ant finishes the night with 17 points, two boards, five assists. So we get that pick correct. I do want to note with Ant, though, that I thought he he took defense super serious today. If you go back and watch, he, he talked on Saturday after practice about how he felt that the team had just gotten too cocky on defense lately. And because of that, had fallen it off, had fallen off. And, and I thought Ant backed that up tonight. He, he was intentional on defense the whole night. I might tomorrow try and go through some of his defensive clips, post them on Twitter or something like that. But it was, I would say, a low energy game for Matt, fueled by a case of like the Sunday afternoons. But I would not, I would not call it one of his his worst games. So with prize picks, that's four and one on the night on these picks. I'm now 110, 93, and seven on the season. Back to well over 500, actually. Um, you can sign up for prize picks if you haven't yet. Get your friends to sign up. You know, fantasy football's over. Try out some daily fantasy. If you do sign up or get a friend to sign up. Use the promo code Dane and you will get credited with a $100 sign-up bonus. Easy to do, prizepicks.com or the PrizePicks app. The Detroit stretch here is over two games. They avoided any of those scary, gross losses against a bad team. And the next two games are in Sacramento against the Kings. Um, I'll actually be heading to Sacramento for those games this week. It'll be uh, on the pod. It will be a very Kings-heavy week. Obviously, we'll talk some trade deadline too, but... I'll have my friend uh, Brendan Nunes, who writes for the Sacramento Bee on the pod Monday afternoon. We'll talk about the two-game matchup between the Wolves and the Kings, but we'll also talk about if or where the Wolves and Kings might be able to match up for a trade on Thursday as well. Uh, the Kings are a team that certainly figures to be active at the deadline, and we know that Sasha Gupta and Sacramento's GM, Monte McNair, are good friends. They go way back to their Houston days. So look for that with Brendan on Monday afternoon in your feed, and we'll go from there uh, to Sacramento and into the trade deadline. Hope you all had a good weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.